Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. The topic of this morning is, is salt and light living. Like, that's our title. Okay, and we're, we're going to look at, we, we've been looking at Jesus as the healer, right? You remember these past four Sundays, we've talked a lot about healing and Jesus interacting, healing people in miraculous ways. And now we're jumping into this four-week block of seeing him teach what it means to follow Jesus. And so basically, it's like Discipleship 101. Like, these are the basic fundamentals of following Christ. What does that look like practically in our day and age right now? Like not back then, not so much, but how do we apply those same truths to today in our context and in our culture, right? And so you may have heard this before, okay? So for those of you who by chance are like, got it, I know it, heard the Sermon on the Mount, it's all good. Let me remind you of the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. When you disciple someone, it takes time, and it takes effort, and it's not all done in a day. You battle with them spiritually. You love them. You guide them. You pray with them. Discipling is work. I mean, look at Jesus' disciple in his 12. Son of God, he, he made sure he had three years with these guys, leading them and loving them. Like, it's not an easy thing to disciple. And so if you think, I've got the basics, I've got the fundamentals, but you're not investing in discipling other people, not really obeying Jesus. That should be a challenge to all of us. To if we find ourselves in a state where we're not investing in other people and we're just feed me, feed me, feed me, you know, becoming a gluttonous Christian, like you need to give as well. You need to reproduce other disciples and teach people how to follow Jesus so they can do it on their own, so that they can reproduce. That's the cycle of the church. That's the cycle of the body of God. And so as we look at this today, we're going to look at the fundamentals of following Jesus. So we can be reminded, first of all, if we don't know, so we can know. What does it look like to follow Jesus, really? Okay, what did Jesus say? Not what I say, not with my interpretation. What did Jesus say it looks like to follow him? And then through that, we can be like, okay, so when I'm discipling someone, let's get the basics first. I don't know how to disciple. I don't know what to say. Well, just say what Jesus said, live it out, and teach them. Jesus said to do that. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 13. You guys excited? No? Cool. All right. I'm excited. I'll be excited for you. I'll be excited for you. The louder you are toward me and the more interactive, maybe I'll end it early. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. All right. Maybe I should have flipped that then. <laughs> Verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for it anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know, first off, Jesus is talking about this Christ-like character that his disciples should have. Here's the basics. This 
this Christ-like character. We are to be a reflection of Christ to our spouses, to our families, to everyone around us, to everyone that knows us, to, pe- to strangers on the street. Are you reflecting Christ? Do you have this character? Are you lighting up the place or not so much? And so we look at something that, that stood out to me first and foremost is if you know anything about the Bible and the Gospels, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew happens a lot earlier in Matthew, right? Chapter 5. There's a lot of chapters after. And it's interesting that before he spends all this crucial time with the disciples and they see everything, he tells them, you are the salt of the earth. Not you will be. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Why is that important? Because we have to recognize at the moment we ask Jesus to be Lord of our lives and we say, I am yours, I'm your disciples, you become a reflection of him. Now, because of your professed faith, what you do, other people relate that to, that must be what a Christian does. That must be what it means to follow Jesus. Like, Isn't that intense to think that? That if you claim you're a Christian and really say it, but what other people see, they're going to relate that. And that's why so many, I, I struggle this in, in church growing up, of seeing other people that profess Christ and said they're Christians, but the way they lived, I was like, that's what Jesus is like. I don't want nothing of it. You are hypocritical. You do it when it's convenient. Jesus can't be real. It's amazing the power your witness has to other people. And that's why Jesus says, first off, it's important that you know, you recognize you're the salt, you are the light. You represent me to this world. Know this. You represent me. And if you're not, you lose it. It's like you're good for nothing except being thrown out and trampled on. Like, what are you doing? Why do you, don't say you follow me because you're not. All you're doing is dragging my name through the mud. And I understand God's sovereign and Jesus is going to get the victory, but, I mean, you, you can be someone's Bible sometimes. They don't know anything about Jesus, but you say you profess Jesus and they see your life. Does it match up to this? You know, being salt, there's a few properties of salt that I just want us to understand and recognize is that salt is a preservative. So we are supposed to be preserving good and holiness on this earth. Amen? We do that. We go against the status quo. I mean, we, if you look at salt on wounds, you ever put salt on a wound? You ever done that to yourself? It hurts. It does not feel good. It stings, depending on how deep the wound is and everything else. And so recognizing that Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. When you go against the culture, when you actually speak out for Jesus and say, this is what the Bible says, this is who God is, That rubs so many people the wrong way. It does not feel good to other people. Does your life model that? Do you sugarcoat everything about following Jesus? It's okay. It's okay. You just do whatever you want. But if you love Jesus, it's okay. Is that true? Is it true? Not really. We see that salt, even though it hurts, it cleans and promotes healing. People need healing. People need restoration. And they need people that actually believe in Jesus to stand up for truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have to show that to people. We have to emulate that to people. And so another thing, I don't know about you guys, but I love salty French fries, like salty pomace, you know, over here. German does fries well. Can I get an amen? Can I get a hallelujah? I'm telling you, fries are great over here compared to in, in the States. And so I don't know about you, but when I eat fries, I get really thirsty. I like, I want a soda or something, or I want a Grosha Spetsy, 
I don't know if I said that right. This is how I pronounce it, okay? And so I want something to, to quench my thirst. And so I wonder if we're the salt of the earth, do you make people thirsty for Jesus with your character? Do you make when, when, how you represent Christ and who you are, are people like, wow, like, I want that living water. I want what you got. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want more of Jesus. Do you make people crave Jesus? Do you make people want Jesus more or do you push him away? Because it's interesting the way salt does that, right? It makes you thirsty. And so if we are to make people thirsty for Christ, shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't your life reflect Jesus in a way that, that people hunger more for him because of who you are and your character and what you represent? And they're like, wow, like, I want more of what you have. We have to look at this practically. And Jesus, I mean, he covers it well. And you can read, if you want to know how to be a disciple that looks like, just read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 over and over and over. Just read it. Just dive into it, man. Just dive into the Sermon on the Mount. Like, it'll challenge you so much. And so he goes over practically, like, being the salt of the earth and light of the world. Like, being angry with someone, you're in judgment of hell. Like, that's crazy, right? To think that, and he, and he puts it, he's like, before you even come to the temple and you give a sacrifice or you want to do something for me, God, right? Like you want to do something for God and you want to give to him. If you've got problems that you haven't forgiven someone or you haven't taken care of that you can handle, you better go do that first. You better go fix that issue first. Don't come to me with your hypocritical love. Oh, God, I love you. Then love my people. You're not loving my people. You're holding ought, you're holding hate in your heart, you're holding unforgiveness. Go do that first before you offer me your sacrifice. Because God cares about how we treat other people. He cares about us actually living in love, especially to people that don't deserve it and have hurt us, hurt our feelers. Right? God wants you to love them. He's, he goes into the extreme with, I mean, and it sounds extreme, but as we talk about these things, all these things are the basics of following Jesus. I think we look at these things like, for instance, lust. Jesus says, if you look at someone with lust in your heart, guess what? You've already broken the commandment. You've already committed adultery, man. You looked at him. You had those thoughts. Boom. Did it already. To think that's intense, right? Because in our culture, what is it? I mean, the way people dress nowadays, how they think they're free to do whatever they want, what's online, what pops up through your Facebook feed. I mean, come on now. I can't be the only one that just sees all these random ads. All right. I know you guys are seeing it, too. And to think if you look at that and you have those thoughts like, boom, you've committed adultery. What? It's like, OK, OK, that's intense. Jesus goes on further to say, let you know, we you should represent me in how you present yourself with integrity. Like you should be honest about things. What people ask you, you let your yes be your yes and your no be your no, man. He says, anything more is of the evil one. It's of the devil. If for you to come across and you've got to say, I swear to the Lord that this is like, that's too much like that. He's like, don't, don't swear to God. Don't swear by earth. Don't swear by your head or anything else. You can't do anything about that. Just say your yes or your no. Like, we go through such intense, like, we think we have to assure people, and people want that extra assurance. Like, just live it out. Walk in integrity, where people don't have to question, is he being honest? Or they can be like, I know he's not lying to me, because that dude just doesn't do that. He's, he doesn't live in habitual lying. Like, if he says he's going to do something, he does it. 
Like if someone comes to you and like, will you pray for me? Yeah, I, I will, buddy. I will. I promise. Sister, I will. Bless your heart. I'm going to pray for you. And then two weeks later, you're like, oh, I totally, I, I haven't prayed for them this entire two weeks. Like they came to you asking for help, asking for you to intercede. You said you would do it, and yet you didn't. Is that modeling Jesus? Is that living a life of integrity? That's anything that you do. Loving your enemies is another big one. Loving your enemies. You know, Jesus is saying this in this day and age where Roman government was, you know, in control of the Jews. And so their military told the Jews what to do. And so there's these people that were rebellious, you know, and they fought against the soldiers. And, and the religious leaders are looking for the Messiah to come and overthrow the Roman government. Let's fight, Jesus. Let's crush him. Like, or whoever the, they didn't believe in Jesus, like, we need the Messiah. We can't believe in you. You're always talking about love and turning the other cheek and blessing people. We're looking for a warrior. We're looking for someone to fight this army, to kill people, to shed blood. And Jesus is like, it's not the way of the kingdom, man. It's turning the other cheek. It's if they ask you to take your gear a mile, you'd be like, I'll go too. Let's go. I love you, man. I love you because Jesus tells me to love you. I love him so much that I'll love you even when you don't deserve it. I'll love you when you're mean to me, when you're sarcastic, when you hate me. I'm just going to shower you with love, Holmes. I love you. It's ridiculous, but that models Christ. Think of Jesus. He loved people, man. Look at what he did on the cross for us while we were dead in our sins. He still died for us. Amen? That's amazing. That's the type of Jesus we're supposed to model. You know, he talks about being the light and shining when you're, like, shine unashamed. It don't, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Jesus said, if you're, if you're ashamed in front of me, uh, like to, to pronounce me in front of men, I'll, I'll do the same to you in heaven in front of my Father. I'm not going to recognize you if you won't recognize me here on earth. And so it's funny that as we're the light, we're supposed to expose this darkness. And I don't know about you, but as a little kid, I was so scared of the dark. Anybody else? Maybe still? Nobody's with me? All right, well, I'll, I'll show you what this phobia is like, okay? So in my room at nighttime, I'd get so scared, and I would see, like, these shadows. And, you know, when the light flickers and the shadows move, and I'm scared to death, I'm like, oh, like, it's creepy. It looks like a creepy monster, like, trying to attack me or something. But yet when the lights turn on, I realize it's just a pile of toys and some stuffed animals. Like, when you realize that you're the light and you're exposing the darkness, you see that the enemy is already defeated. You see all the big, scary things that the devil tries to throw at you and be like, you've got no authority here. You have no power here, Satan. I'm covered by the blood. I'm bought. I'm a son and daughter. My family is bought. I intercede for them. There's nothing you can throw at me. You're just shadows and ridiculous anyways. You can't do anything to hurt us. Guess what? Even if you kill me, I'll be resurrected because that's what Jesus promised. And then I spend eternity with him. It's like in that state with Paul. It's like, you know, they chain me or beat me. You know, I'm just going to keep preaching Jesus and more people are going to come to Jesus. If they kill me, then I'm going to be with Jesus. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm a win-win situation all the time, 24-7, man. Do you feel that way? Is that your character towards Jesus? Is that your character in life? Because we have to understand we must be different to make a difference. You can't look like the world and proclaim Jesus as Lord at the same time. You can't do that. It's unbiblical. It's not, it's not what Jesus said. It's not obeying Jesus in any way. And being the light we have to also recognize that, you know, Jesus talked about the eye as the lamp of the body. And what your focus is on and what you allow yourself to see and prioritize, that determines whether you're filled up with light or you're filled up with darkness. 
a lot of Christians I see, they dim the light because of what they allow in their hearts, what they allow in their soul, in their being, what they watch, what they read, who they listen to, how they really think, what, what they do when no one's looking. Like that can dim out your light quick. You don't shine bright for Jesus because you're not all in. You're letting other things control you. And it's in those moments you've got to ask for forgiveness. Like, God, renew me, restore me, purge me with hyssop, like David said. Clean me, create in me a pure heart, a clean heart, God. I need your help. And we look at these things that are, that are intense, but again, they're the basics of discipleship. Isn't that crazy? We think, oh, wow, to live like that. And Jesus is like, that's where you should start. <laughs> that's not being angry, not living in lust, loving your enemies, being salt, being light. This is day one discipleship, man. We've, we've, we've got to realize that. This isn't something unattainable. It's only really attainable with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Us really being filled by Him. That's how we get there. Let's continue to Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 1. We'll read four verses. I'm trying to hurry. See you looking at me. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is talking about here what it looks like, like the, the deeds of a disciple. What, what, is, what does that look like? What are you really modeling? Who are you really glorifying when you do things for Jesus? And it's, it, Jesus said it. it's not if you give, but when you give. Like Jesus expects us to give. Okay? Can I get an amen? amen. You got that, right? We're supposed to bless people. We're supposed to help people. We know that. But do we do it in the way that he wants us to? Do we do it to glorify God? And I'm not just talking about like giving to church or putting something in the bucket or online. Big whoop. Cool. You give some offering once a week. That's great. I'm talking about the other deeds. Everything you do the rest of the week. Like, do you do things like I scratch your back, you scratch mine? Like for your spouse, do you do things for your spouse and love on them or massage their feet or whatever else so that they'll do something back to you? Remember when I did that to you Monday? Hook me up. It's Wednesday. Like it's been two days. Do something for me now. Is that why you do it? Jesus is talking about the things you do for people, what you do for other people. Are you doing it to glorify me or to get something out of me eventually? Are you building up like, oh, if I do enough, do enough. All right, God. I'm going to really need this prayer, and so I'm going to need you to do it quick. You know, I, I, you know, I've been given. I've been doing stuff. And he's like, oh, that's why you've been given? I thought you were just bringing me glory. I thought you were doing it out of your love for me. Oh, I didn't know you were just doing this because you want something from me eventually. <laughs> you ever think that way? Do you ever do things that way sometimes? I think it's interesting that, that we look at this, and, and, and like the religious leaders and the Pharisees, they, you know, they're blowing the trumpets, and they're showing, look at me, look at me. I'm doing things for God. I'm awesome. And we look at ourselves and we're like, there's no way we would do that. But then again, we, we cover our cars with Christian logos and fish. And, and we put Bible verses on Facebook and Instagram just to show people that we serve Jesus. You know what I mean? 
Like you think about, we think it's okay to live in a culture where an entire online profile page is completely dedicated to share us with the world. Look at me. Look at my family. Look at my pictures. Look at this cool quote. This is what I think about this issue. Like your opinion matters that much that you've got to share it with the world all the time. You know what I mean? You got to think about that like, okay, that's great. You put a, you put a, a scripture verse on there that was created to you by the Bible app and all you got to do is post it and like, man, I did good today. Did you? Because you can post something on Facebook. Good for you. Do you put something on and be like, let me see how many likes I get. Let me see who's really noticing. Let me look at this. Let me, I'm going to put this on there. How many likes? Oh, it's a great picture, isn't it? Like it. Why aren't you liking it? Oh, why aren't you giving me praise? If you're doing things that way and that's your deeds, like God's like, there's your reward. That sound the trumpet. Facebook notifications going off. You're welcome. That's all you get. That's it. There's no, there's no treasure in heaven you're getting for this. Are you doing things to actually glorify God? Or are you really glorifying yourself, but you haven't noticed it until now? Like, wow, maybe I've been doing these deeds, and I'm, th- I'm doing them in Jesus' name, but it don't mean squat. Because I'm not really glorifying God. My heart's not really in it. Jesus is talking about even with fasting. Don't, don't fast. And, 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 and the sense of fasting is giving up something, like giving up food, like a meal or a day, and you're just seeking God, and you're praising God, and you're praying to God, and you're spending time in your word. And that time you would eat and do something, you're giving that up so you can spend time with God. Not to manipulate him to answer a prayer, but just to be in relationship with him, to talk to him. And there were people that fasted, religious fasting, and they would put, you know, ash on their heads and walk the streets. Oh, so hungry, but I'm doing this for you, Lord. He's like, when you do that for me, don't. That's between you and me. Don't let everybody know what you're doing. That's, there's your reward again. Do it. Wash your face. Don't even look like you're fasting, but I'll know. I'll know if you're really doing it for me. We'll know. It'll be between us. That's what God wants, that real relationship. He goes on talking about you can't serve God and money. And we think, like, you know, we, we, how do we give worry-free and with that expectation of I do this just to get something back. And it has to come from a deep place in your soul where you know Jesus is going to take care of your needs. He talks about if your parents, if your you know, kids ask you for bread, you don't give them a stone. If they ask you for fish, you don't give them a serpent. How is it you sinful parents do this for your kids? You don't think God who's perfect will bless you, will help you out? Jesus said, worrying about what I'm going to eat or what clothes I'm going to wear. He's like, that's the stuff that plagues the minds of Gentiles and sinners. Like, they worry about that stuff. They have no assurance. They've got no assurance. But you do. I'll take care of you if you trust me. So it's in that sense of you're not really giving a lot of stuff up. You're just giving what God's given you in the first place. You're doing things for people because of what Jesus already did for you. Sure, you can help someone out. Jesus died on the cross for you. Would you do that? No can't do that we can't do that so when we do things we're glorifying jesus and we know that god is going to take care of us and provide with us let's continue to matthew 7 starting with verse 18 y'all doing okay yeah a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire thus you will recognize them by their fruits Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name 
and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It's a powerful portion of scripture. I don't know about you, but it's powerful to me. It, it, it challenges me. Am I really serving Jesus? Am I really having this communion with Christ that we're supposed to have as his disciples? That real relationship, that real time spent knowing Jesus, talking to Jesus, letting him lead us, letting him make our decisions, like trusting him, Lord, where, give me wisdom. Should I go left? Should I go right? What do you want me to do, Lord? Like actually asking him these things. If you notice, I don't know about you, but if you go through the Old Testament, there's a lot of times where it shows that there were problems that the Israelites faced because they didn't go to the Lord first. They did what they thought was best at the time. And because of that, tragedy came and suffering came and problems came. It's crazy. It's crazy to think that. That you think you know what's actually best for you at the end of the day. You think you know exactly what choice you should make, what decision you should make. That's actually going to be the best all around. And I wonder if we're looking at things just the best for us like, this is the best decision for me, but it's the best decision for everyone around you, too. Like, your choices, what you choose to do, affects people around you as well. Amen? And so, as we have this communion with Christ, Jesus is sharing something about these trees bearing good and bad fruit. And for us, it's, it's important for us to recognize who we're listening to. Like, there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians but it doesn't mean they're preaching the Bible. That doesn't mean they really know Jesus. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Muslims, they all believe in a version of Jesus. They'll, they'll tell you, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And they may get some things right in Scripture, but as a whole, they don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship with Him. Like, you got to know what you believe. If you don't get anything from this sermon or, or, or me or ever, like, no, you need to be in your word. You need to know what God says about himself. You don't need just to depend solely on whoever's standing up on the stage. And uh, like, Dude, people can lie to you. I can lie to you all day long. If you didn't know the scripture and you didn't have it there, I could tell you whatever I thought the scripture meant, whatever it said. People can lie. But if you know, if you're spending time with Jesus, if you're reading his word, if you're actually being discipled and being filled with the Holy Spirit, you will know he will convict you right then. Like that's, that's not, that's out of context. That's not what I'm saying. And we have to know God well enough to recognize and be able to discern those things. To know I shouldn't listen to that. That's unhealthy. That's ungodly teaching. That's not biblical teaching. We have to know. And this, this sense of just doing things like this, you know, like we talked about with the deeds and, and, <clears throat> And just like, you know, look at what he said. I mean, think about it really. Like they're saying, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Like prophesying, saying things that are going to happen, right? Having that ability, casting out demons. Like, have you ever casted out a demon? Like for real? Like someone think, someone's possessed, full of the devil, foaming at the mouth like we see in the Bible. And they come to you and you're like, be gone in Jesus' name. And they're like, pop smoke. And that person's like healed and restored. You're like, yep, just bought my ticket into heaven. What, what? That demon's gone in Jesus' name. Jesus is like, that, that doesn't mean you know me. 
That's not your authority and power anyways. You said it in my name. I decide when things happen and when they don't. Just because you trusted me enough one time or did something really great one time or, you know, for a lot of people, it's, you know, the pastor gave this, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, right now you can lift up your hand and it's like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Repeat after me. Okay, I'll repeat after you. And then you have this moment, but the rest of your life, you don't follow Jesus. You don't read your word. You don't spend time in prayer. Is that having communion with Christ? No. What what are we saying? It's not this one-time event. It's a lifestyle. It's a day-by-day, and you will fail. You will mess up. But like Proverbs says, the righteous get back up again. Fall seven times, get back up the eighth. It's constantly like, God, help me again. But at the core of my being, I want to serve you. I want to spend time with you. Everything I do, I want to do for you. Are you living that way? We look at the sense of of following Jesus, and at the end of the day, you can fool everyone else, but you're not fooling him. Now you look at Judas. He hung around with the disciples the same amount of time, heard the same teaching, saw the same miracles, yet he was not all in. His faith was not in Jesus, and it showed in his lifestyle eventually. You can, you can probably cover up your, your fake faith for a while, and you can probably learn the Christianese terms and, oh, brother, hallelujah, you know, all the things, whatever, and, and speak Christian and, and repeat some verses that you memorize. But Jesus knows where your heart really is. And it's talking about this fruit. You know, in Galatians 5, verse 22, it says this in 23. It's, it's really famous. You may have heard this, but I wanted you to see it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If we are a tree that professes we are disciple of Christ, is that your fruit? Does your character and deeds, does it emulate that? Do you walk and live in love? Even to people that don't deserve it? Do you have joy, real joy, despite what happens in your life? That you're like, it's okay, Jesus has got me. It's all right. I'm covered, man. It's okay. Do you have peace when everything's going crazy? Family's out of control. Situations are out of control. Like, I've got peace that surpasses all understanding. I just, it is what it is. I'm okay. Do you have real patience? God help us with that one, right? Kindness? Even when we're approaching people and we're telling them about Jesus, does it come across as, ah, you're going to hell? Or is it like, man, you don't know that Jesus loves you, man. Like he cares about you. I love you. And they emulate. People know it's real. People know it's genuine. People know if you're rehearsing something you learned at like an evangelism track and you're like, if I repeat this, but they have a question. Oh, I don't know what to tell you now. People know if your faith is real because of how you live, because of you act, how you say it. Are you good? Are you faithful? Even when it seems hopeless, are you gentle to people? Do you handle your spouse with gentleness? Pfft. It'd be a hard one, right? Your kids, do you handle them with gentleness? I'm not saying don't discipline and don't encourage each other and challenge each other, but being gentle about it is important. Self-control, do you have that one thing that you just keep going back and back and back and doing? Like you just can't get away from it? I've got no self-control. Ah! It's because it's the Holy Spirit in you. 
If you're struggling with these things, it's because you need more of the Holy Spirit and less of you. You need to be filled up with more of him, listen to him more, spend more time with him. And then that's the byproduct. That comes natural. Isn't that amazing? Just out of you having communion with Christ and abiding with him and loving him and spending time with him, it's like, I don't even have to think about loving. I just do it. I don't have to think, oh, I wish I was joyful today. It's like, I just am. Like, I, I just am. I just, I am full of peace. Like, I'm kind towards people. I'm faithful. And no, I'm not perfect, but I strive for that. At the core of my being, that's what, who I am. I really am these things because it's really Christ living through me. I died to myself a long time ago. I've denied myself and I've picked up my cross and now it's Christ that lives through me. Is that true for you? These are the basics. This is Discipleship 101. And it's challenging. It's hard to hear. It's hard to preach. Guys, I'm not perfect and I make mistakes. But when I read this, I'm like, wow, Jesus, this is attainable. You didn't, you didn't just say this for no reason. This is something to be. This is how I should be following you. This is how every Christian should live their lives if they actually claim they're following you. And I hope we never get to this point where there's two things, that we think we're good enough and we've, we've reached a point, but yet we're not investing in other people, making disciples, you're not reproducing. It, you know, you got to think if you're discipling someone and they turn out just like you, they follow Christ just as much as you do, what would the church look like? A church full of you. Would you give? Would you bless? Would you model Jesus? Would people want to come to that church? We have to disciple. We have to emulate Christ and reflect Christ. Really, the real Christ. Not this perverted version that people like to follow, but the real Christ. And if we don't know how to do that, we have to get in his word and read these passages, read the Sermon on the Mount, study Jesus, spend time with him. Because even following Christ for a long time, you can forget some of the basics. Be like, wow, I got really good in these areas. Man, I totally stink here. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding me. That's why we have to constantly be in our word. Kill our flesh and let our spirit man grow. Amen. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.